Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you and welcome to day two of Africa Women in Family Business Conference. Today, we'll be focusing on successes. And kicking us off this morning is the amazing Miss Fola Laoye, where she'll be exploring her journey as a successor in a family business. Fola is founder and CEO of Health Markets Africa, an advisory and investment company. She's also board member of Hygieia Group Nigeria Promoters of Hygieia HMO and Lagoon Hospital, where she held various leadership roles over 18 years, including CEO and chairperson. So you're welcome, Fola. We're excited to have you today and um, keen to learn from you this morning. Great. Good morning, Nike and Sisi. Thank you very much for having me on, on the call and on the conference. Um, and um, I hope that um, it's all, you know, being great learning for those who have joined in. And good morning for those who are joining uh, this session this morning. Um, I think I, I figured that, I mean, I would just try and touch on a few things and then perhaps open it for questions. Um, I'll give you some idea of my background and, um, you know, how I sort of entered the family business and um, what the sort of key key, uh, shall I say, what the terrain was like <laughs> in the family business, um, um, both within the business and the family. Um, and perhaps, you know, what were the key things that I we thought about or that worked well for us, um, particularly when it came to the areas of succession uh, and what succession really means. So maybe I'll, I'll just, you know, stop there and then we can take questions. <clears throat> so starting from, the, you know, the get-go, I'm giving you a little bit of my background. Um, I actually, I'm uh, more of a finance person. So I'm a CPA or chartered accountant, as you call them. Um, I studied accounting uh, in Nigeria, University of Lagos, and then went on to do my uh, chartered accounting um, uh, practice and exams in the UK with what was Coopers and Librand in those days, so it's now PwC, um, and spent a few years, you know, auditing and, and going through the ropes and, and, and learning, you know, and earning my stripes as, a, as an accountant, as an auditor. Uh, but as soon as I finished and I got my my uh, certificate, um, you know, I sort of felt, well, I wasn't sure I was cut out for a long-term uh, career in audit. Um, and as well as I wasn't that keen on staying abroad. So I went back to Nigeria and went into financial services working with um, FSDH, uh, which was at that time a discount house and is now a merchant bank and, a, and actually a financial services group today. So came back and got you know, involved in financial services uh, through working at FSTH. <clears throat> and from there, I then had spent quite a bit of time um, around what was, what was the family business at the time, which is Hygieia, 
which my parents uh, had both set up, uh, both of them being doctors. My dad is surgeon, my late dad is surgeon, my mom a physician. Um, after many, many, you know, stellar years in the university system, they had taken early retirement and had set up Hygieia uh, to be able to first and foremost run uh, a corporate hospital, uh, a hospital in the private sector where they were really hoping to replicate um, a lot of the, shall I say, the opportunities of the public sector, including training doctors, you know, and nurses, and bringing multi-specialties and multi-disciplines together under one roof. And they got that going with Lagoon Hospital. Um, and I'm the youngest of four kids, so maybe I should give you that bit of it as well. And by far the youngest. <laughs> My eldest brother is almost 10 years older than me. So I guess I was very much, uh, how do I say, my parents' handbag. And for those of you Africans who probably understand what that means. So I was the last born, the one who was at home with the parents and therefore grew up very much around the business. So I did all sorts of holiday jobs, you know, working in the hospitals when I was much younger. You know, I did uh, uh, reception work. I did computing, all sorts of things in those early days. And therefore, I was extremely familiar with the business and, you know, and sort of, you know, saw, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, as an extension of all of us, of our family, to be honest. Um, even when I was doing my accounting, uh, you know, exams and working in the UK, I was very much my dad's chief procurement officer because I used to have to, you know, run around just like my siblings did as well to buy uh, sutures for surgeries, uh, different bits of consumables or equipment, picking up this, picking up that, and you know, bringing them home in suitcases whenever we flew back and forth. So I was very, very. Uh, aware of what it took, you know, what the inputs were of the business. I could probably tell you most types of surgical sutures by name and and their strength and what kind of uh, surgery they would be used for, even though I hadn't set foot in the operating room. So at this point in time, when I was back home and had done a couple of years in finance, I could see that my parents were, on the one hand, growing the business, um, but still facing challenges, you know, challenges twofold. One was challenges in raising capital, particularly for a healthcare business. They didn't want it to be a business that was bootstrapped by mom and pop type financing. So even from the get-go, they had gone out to raise corporate money to bring in investors and shareholders who were non-family uh, institutions. Um, and as they grew, you know, they kept thinking about that, that, you know, how do we grow this, you know, in a really corporate way. And the second thing was, um, you know, the market, you know, the private market for healthcare was, in a way, growing bigger, but even up to now is still very much uncoordinated, very much what you call out of pocket spend, which means people have to spend, you know, uh, when they get ill which obviously can be extremely uh, debilitating, you know, financially to families, because, you know, the last time, the, the, the most important time is when the breadwinner, you know, goes ill, because it means two things. They lose um, their breadwinner. <clears throat> and then, of course, they also have the double whammy of the cost of whatever is that the healthcare requirement. So, um, you know, that was something that, you know, private healthcare 
had been facing from very early on, I mean, it's improved significantly, but it's still, I mean, in, in Nigeria, almost 70% of our healthcare spend is still out of pocket. So you can imagine what it was like 20, 30 years ago. So at that time was also the, the beginning of the real conversation around health insurance and how health insurance could be a potential silver bullet in really making you know, a more coordinated market in you know, risk pooling and bringing a basket of funds together that could then be reliable cash flows for hospitals. So I was extremely fascinated by those two issues, one about the issue of health insurance and the other raising capital. So at that time, I you know, made the bold decision to jack in my job. <laughs> but you know, rather than say I would come straight into the business, I said, okay, I wanted to spend six months in the business, really understanding the business from a financial point of view. And I wanted to go off and, and to business school. So I did both. So I spent six months really understanding, learning the ropes. And in fact, it wasn't just the financial ropes. It was all the ropes. I had to be able to enter everywhere, the stores, the pharmacy, the operating room, the kitchen, the laundry, just so that I understood really how a hospital ran. And with that knowledge, I then went off to Harvard Business School for my MBA. So those two years were years, again, where I really tried to build up my own skill sets and my own toolbox, as I called it to allow me to really pivot, you know, into healthcare. And of course, US is the home of health insurance, private health insurance, particularly at the HMO model. So I spent a fair amount of time, of course, learning the ropes about that while I was there, uh, networking, you know, through the HBS network, and eventually actually bringing two key parties back into the business with me. One was an HMO, which was the the number one HMO in the US, not for size, but for quality of healthcare, uh, who also happened to have quite a bit of an interest in Africa. So we signed a two-year deal and they came back to Nigeria with me to help to set up our HMO and our structures and systems. And we did like, um, you know, um, our staff going over to them for learning, you know, and, and so on for capacity building. And the second thing I did was also capital. So, you know, we worked very hard with my parents and the team on the ground. Uh, we wrote a business plan. You know, we spoke to different investor groups and we brought in actually the IFC. This was 1999. So this was a fair long time ago. And the IFC actually uh, had hardly started investing in healthcare, particularly in Africa. So we were one of the first uh, deals they did in the space. So with all of that, I thought I felt, okay, I've got what I need, <laughs> time to, to, to sort of, you know, dive in. So I, you know, I pivoted fully and, and jumped in and joined the business. A couple of things I did along the way was also, I mean, as I said, I was the youngest of four siblings. So one of the things I did while I was at business school was I took a course in managing a family business by a professor called John Davis, who's written a fantastic book called From Generation to Generation. And with that in mind, we did quite a bit of work with him, you know, uh, wrote, you know, wrote to all my siblings, my parents, had to really articulate what I thought the journey would look like, you know, try to get their own insights as well and their own support, which I did. Um, and try to also put a few things in place, like a family council, you know, uh, where we could talk about, you know, family issues outside of the business, given that my other siblings were not in the business. Um, and also hopefully be able to 
sort of, shall I say, create structure <laughs> whereby, you know, family issues and business issues will be discussed separate from family issues. But you and I know that that's not always possible. Everything gets discussed uh, over morning coffee, you know, at the business, at the breakfast table, on the phone and so on. But still, I think just having that sort of idea of that structure or the need for structure was helpful. We created what was a family holding company, what I guess a lot of people might call a family office almost today, um, that would hold our investment in, you know, in the business um, so that that way we could separate that from you know, running the company itself. And I guess, yes, the important learning was understanding that there would always be three roles, the role of being an owner and shareholder, um, the role of being a um, manager, you know, and uh, running the business. And of course, the role of being a family member. And in my case, particularly, um, you know, if you think about culture and so on in our part of the world, I was the youngest, I was female. <laughs> so I guess I was to some extent the un a bit of an unlikely person to then be eventually CEO of the business, which I became. Um, so we had to deal with some of those dynamics as well. So I guess, yes, in, in talking through that succession uh, plan of succeeding, particularly my, my father, who was chairman and CEO, I succeeded him first as CEO and then later as chairman. Um, we, you know, having this sort of family council type of thinking helped uh, because it brought my, my brother, particularly my oldest brother in, as well as my sisters to help to think about, you know, what were the best steps to take. Uh, my brother had joined the board before me, and then I joined the board. Uh, and the fact that we had corporate shareholders who were also board members were also there, also helped, because they also could bring their own experience to the table to prepare me for this role as uh, CEO. I became CEO, as I think I was 32. I had been in the company for about three or four years at the time. Um, I had gotten married a couple of years before. And I had just had my first child, my son, my son. So yeah, a lot of things were going on all at the same time, <laughs> being fairly newly married, you know, with a little boy. And then of course, uh, the role of really growing the business. Um, but at the same time, I think, yes, the fact that I had a lot of support from the family, I had great support from my husband as well. Um, I had to be, as you know, as with everybody, you know, super organized to make sure that, you know, you know, all the different paths of life were being taken care of. <laughs> um, and, um, and yeah, and, and kept going. And, you know, this was an amazing time where healthcare in Africa was really getting more attention. Um, we did some fascinating things. Uh, we continued to grow the hospitals. We built another hospital. We built clinics. We brought in quite a few more um, multi-specialties, multi uh, orthopedics. We took orthopedics really, really up, uh, you know, the different types of surgery, uh, being that my father was a surgeon, was a key area, and so on. And I learned very much at my father's uh, uh, feet, shall I say. I mean, obviously, he was my father, so he was, you know, the best mentor anyone could have. Um, he was also very deliberate, just as I had been. I mean, I had taken all these deliberate steps of entering the business. But he was also very deliberate in two things, in, in training me, I guess, especially being a non, 
shall I say, non-clinical member, you know, a non-clinical leader of a clinical business. So he did really do a lot of work with me in making me understand not just clinical healthcare and clinical medicine, but also public health. So we did quite a few significant public health programs, particularly on the health insurance side. But I think the other thing was uh, the process of letting go. He was quite good at it. So he, you know, empowered me very early on. Yes, his door was always open, but he, you know, he made sure that people realized in the business that they needed to go to me as opposed to come to him for decisions. Um, he backed me up some, you know, whenever he felt I needed the backing. He called me out whenever he felt I needed to be called out. Um, and, you know, but he really did make it quite clear that, you know, um, this is a process we're going through. And, and some of those processes were processes such as giving the entire business a whole new look in terms of branding, in terms of vision, uh, vision statement, mission statement, you know, uh, culture. I really took the business through a huge change, cultural change. Um, which helped to stamp a bit of my own, I guess, a bit of my own um, uh, thinking and vision and, and so on um, on it. Um, and, you know, these were things that he really, you know, and, and my mother as well, really sort of allowed me to, to lead. Um, similarly, also in the marketplace, you know, I was very much the spokesperson for the business. Um, you know, we did a lot together, yes, but, you know, he really sort of, nudged me uh, 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 forward as much as possible. And I think those were key things that were important as we went through that transition. Um, I did, you know, some of the other issues I faced in the business through even going through that transition, as I mentioned, was the fact that, A, I was not clinical uh, and I was yet leading a business of, of, of clinical man, you know, clinical leaders themselves. So I had to figure out areas in which I could really connect with them, you know, with a, because with most healthcare businesses in Nigeria, and I'm sure Africa is very much the same, the management tends to be the same as the, uh, as the, as the lead clinicians. So having to be able to change that, where I was able to put together an organogram of very senior leaders who were non-clinical people was, was quite important. And at the same time, carry the clinical uh, um, team along. So that was one, you know, tricky transition, but one that I think we managed well. Yes, not everybody stayed, so some people did leave, but I think we we managed in the end to get um, that turning point um, quite well. Um, I think also, yes, maybe to some extent, I was female <laughs> um, at that time too. The leaders were mostly male, mostly surgeons. I used to, you know, they used to crack the joke that all the decisions were made in the changing room of the uh, operating, the male changing room of the operating theater, which was where they kept the coffee pot and, you know, discussed uh, procurements and uh, HR and all sorts of very important issues. So I used to have to sort of brave it and find my way into that male changing room now and again <laughs> to be part of those discussions. I think after I did it once or twice, they were so alarmed that they said, okay, we'll meet you in the, in the conference room instead. <laughs> and then, you know, the more sort of management meeting structure started taking, taking off, which was great. Um, I think maybe the, uh, the last area I might touch on was the fact that um, 
at a point we and quite interestingly is that I've gone through the full cycle circle of also exiting the business. And this was a decision again that the family made. So it wasn't just my decision, but the family decided at the point to exit the, the business for, for different reasons. Financial being a big part of it, because obviously the business needed a lot more capital. Um, and my parents were getting on in age and so on. And we just, you know, took a business decision. Um, but also, I think it was because we also wanted to ensure that we did do it differently. We didn't just create, like I said, a mom and pop health, you know, hospital business or clinic, which is what most are, but we created an institution. And that's what has happened. So I think in Hygiene now, we've had probably, I would say, four rounds or so, three or four rounds of, of investors come in and out. Um, and, you know, we've, we've totally separated management from, from shareholders on board. Um, we've put, you know, a significant amount of governance in place and it's running, you know, and, and it will, you know, hopefully continue to run, you know, well into the future. The family holding company remains present. We do still have, you know, a, a small ownership stake. But as I said, really and truly, we have been able to separate to a large extent um, that ownership circle from the management circle. Um, and, and that really has given, you know, Hygiene itself the entity that it is today. So it's great to know that Hygiene is a 35-year-old business. And, you know, we can see, you know, the future, the future is pretty bright, you know. Um, and, and, you know, it's always great to know that we are part of that founding story. Uh, we still have the relationship we have as a family with the company. Um, and that, you know, it's been able to keep going. So I think I will stop at this point and then uh, perhaps let's open it up for, for questions. Thanks. I think I see some questions already, but um, Cici, do you want to guide me on how you want us to do this? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, such an insightful presentation. Um, I'll give you the first question that comes from Manyara and she is asking um, on Culture, on cultural in a family business, would you be at liberty to share with us the processes that you went through and what were your challenges in trying to turn around the family business after your dad? Okay. Um, I, th I hope that I've discussed a little bit already of the process. As I said, um, the process itself was one where luckily we had a board in place. So we did two things. First of all, I joined the board as an executive director, you know, uh, for a couple of years before I then became the managing director. So there was, there was time, let me put it that way, we built in some time to take um, those steps. Um, I also had to do certain things, as I said, to earn my stripes. Uh, one was I brought in financing. I mentioned I brought in the first lot of financing from IFC, then I brought in some significant amount of debt financing also um, you know, to uh, buy new equipment and so on. Um, I also brought, like I said, the partnerships. So on the HMO side, which was now a new entity on its own, we did two things. We brought in investments there as well. We brought in GT Bank actually as an investor. Um, and then we also brought in, um, uh, you know, the health partners from Minnesota. On the hospital side, I also brought in Apollo Hospitals, which was a relationship I had made it also at Harvard Business School. 
Uh, Apollo is also was was also very much a family business um, set up by Dr. Reddy with four daughters who were all in the business. And one of them was CFO, and she had been at HBS doing the executive program while I was doing my MBA. So we'd gotten to meet there, and we continued that relationship um, and such that Apollo then became, you know, we were their sort of first, shall I say, birthing point in Africa. And they came and supported us for about three or four years also. Um, and that particularly benefited the team because there was a lot of um, uh, training opportunities, you know, for our doctors, for our nurses. So I basically had to do things that did turn around, not just turn around, sort of, you know, move the business up. And uh, whilst it also gave the people in the business the opportunity themselves to also develop. So I think those, will, I would say, would be the key things um, that we did together at the time. But of course, I, I have to stress the financing and the capital raising was, was key. We needed, you know, you know, healthcare is a capital guzzler. <laughs> so I had to keep raising capital. So much so my daughter, when she was born, one of my good friends who is a financial advisor named her capital <laughs> because it seemed to be raising capital even when I was almost nine months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> um we have another question from Raymond. Um, he says, Fola, thank you. So far, very inspiring. Just curious with the background of Africa, how your father could have overcome the cultural inhibition to supporting you as a daughter, to allowing transition to you as a daughter and overcoming what other men were to say. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, but I guess you, you know, it'd be good to know my father to understand his way of thinking. You know, he was an extremely, extremely egalitarian man, very, very well read, very accomplished, and uh, very, very open minded. You know, um, he was a man who, at 80 plus, after you know, a lifetime of being a surgeon and starting all these companies, went off and wrote a history book <laughs> about the people of Lagos. You know, so you know, he was very diverse in his thinking. Let me put it that way. Um, I guess he was also in a household surrounded by women, his wife and three daughters. <laughs> so we, we, the women, outnumbered him and my brother by far. Um, you know, but he'd also been brought up with a couple of sisters, you know, and also with a mother who had been extremely, uh, you know, um, entrepreneurial. And of course, my mother, you know, who he had married, uh, was extremely hardworking, a professional in her own right, a professor of medicine in her own right, and extremely bright as well. So I think he definitely, we, we were not brought up at all with any sense of women having to have one place and men another, we were brought up to be extremely equal. Um, and, and, and therefore, I guess maybe it just gave me, you know, that sort of strength because I didn't know it any differently, not from his perspective. Certainly, yes, we did walk into some meetings, you know, where people would, you know, we had, I had a couple of times where, you know, men on the other side of the table wouldn't let me leave the meeting. <laughs> So we managed that, you know, as well as we could. We managed that sometimes with him. And sometimes, of course, I always had a couple of male colleagues, you know, who went out with me as well. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we sort of, you know, took on the different uh, roles as well where necessary. Um, but certainly, you know, I guess 
from his own perspective, he, you know, he was an extreme enabler when it came to, to gender. <laughs> yeah. Then another question from Raymond again, he's asking, what skills do you think you needed to have to manage to be a CEO with the following three challenges? One, it was not your technical expertise. Two, being a woman for what I would imagine largely a male-dominated staff. And three, being part of the family. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, as I mentioned, um, I think, let me, maybe number two, I hope I've answered to some extent, but number one, not being my technical expertise. Um, again, I touched on this earlier. I think it was two things for me. One was I had to learn. Yeah, I, and, and I, I learned it the way I, I figured I would learn any other business. You know, I guess you, you see people, you know, who are in PE these days who know certain sectors more than even the people who are trained in the sectors. You find PE healthcare investors or PE oil and gas investors who just really make it their business to learn. And I think that's what I did. So as I said, you know, I learned from you know, all angles. I learned operations. I learned about each clinical specialty. Of course, I, my, my forte was finance. And of course, I understood strategy. I learned public health. I learned, you know, how to deal with and talk to government and so on. So there was a lot of learning on my side, no question. Um, the other was, um, uh, what did I bring to the table? So I, I, th I think what I brought to the table was financing. And so I really had to do that in a big way. So financing in terms of, uh, you know, you know, debt finance, debt capital, equity capital, donor capital. You know, we really were one of the first, I think, um, in Nigeria that really went through what I'll call the blended capital model. So we raised a significant amount of donor money for our health insurance programs, whilst also, you know, bringing in equity and debt. So I think that really was what I brought to the table, which allowed the business to grow and therefore, you know, sort of, to some extent, I guess, was able to then uh, relate, you know, on equal, more equal terms, you know, with the, with the clinical team. Um, was there anything else on that question? No. Uh, okay. No, um, probably. Okay. Um, Next one, my, I see my sister's your sister. posted. <laughs> Comment question from Vimpe. Thank you, Fola, who is my dear sister, for sharing your journey, which I hope will inspire others to be active and visionary successors of the family business. Building an institution retains the legacy of the founder. What is your advice to successors who may not necessarily want to work in the family business? How can they still contribute as owners and ensure they find and retain skilled managers who may not be family members? Yeah, no, I think that's a very important point, Pimps. And I guess, you know, to some extent, you and I have worked on that ourselves over the years. Um, but yeah, and, and that's why I, I did say that, you know, having that family council or these days a family office helps so that that way... Um, non um, sort of family um, family members who are not in the business can be informed enough about the business, largely because that is a big part of their family wealth. And therefore, you know, they need to understand their own role as custodians of that wealth. 
and what they need to think about. Um, sometimes, yes, they, they have positions on the board, uh, which may help also to bring their own strategic thinking to the table, um, working with you know, the, the family members who are in the business. Um, and sometimes, yeah, their own work is also to find great people for the business. Um, I remember my brother found us a great um, independent uh, non-executive director you know, who has really done really well for us in the company and has led our audit committee and so on. Uh, Binte has very often, because she's a lawyer, has very often found, you know, different bits of legal advice or, you know, or great people from an HR perspective that the business has needed. So I think once there is that enough understanding of all the members of the family of the business, whether they are in it or not, and, and therefore, like I said, keeping informed is important, then they can really add their own value, you know, either being on the board or not, you know, uh, in, in different ways. Hope that helps. Absolutely. Thank you once again, um, Fola, for joining us today. Um, I think we've answered all the questions that have come through in to our chat box. We'd just like to extend just our thank you for being with us today and for sharing your incredible story and your journey with us. Is there any way that in our participants or any other people who will watch this uh, video afterwards can get hold of you if they want to reach out? I had said that they can, can contact us and we'll forward the email. Is there any social media handles that you can share with them? Unfortunately, I'm not very good with social media, <laughs> I must confess. <laughs> it's one of the things that I feel I have to learn more on. I am on LinkedIn, uh, follow underscore Laoye. And um, I've just put in my, my email address, follow at hotmail.com. So that, that email is probably the best way, but also you can, you know, you can ping me on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you for doing this. Huh? Great to chat with everybody. Absolutely. And everyone else who is here, if you would like to join us for our second session, it will start at exactly 12 o'clock. We are looking forward to spending the rest of the day with you. Bye now. Thanks.